Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. And now, here's your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin. So good to have you with us, everybody. We are broadcasting live from San Diego, California. I'm sitting up here in this gorgeous corner room, a little sweeping view of the the bay, the harbor, and the city. It is spectacular. Wish you all could be up here joining us. We're attending and are at the, well, I won't be attending, but I'm actually here just a little bit ahead of time. We're here at the Alight Conference, and uh, we're at just, which is just one day in front of the MBA finance and uh, they see accounting and financial management conference. Andy Schell's favorite, one of his favorite topics. I mean, he should be the keynote at every one of these things that they do here, but we're going to be uh, also broadcasting on another live broadcast this afternoon from the Alight event. We're going to be doing a three hour live broadcast and a simulcast video cast doing for the first time, Licking on Lendings, doing a Facebook live for on Alight's website. So you want to see how we're doing with it? Go to the website of Alight and tell us, give us your feedback. It's the first ever, so we'll be having some fun with it. Anyway, it's good to have you join us. This is welcome to the Licking and Lending program. It is a broadcast created or podcast, actually, created by mortgage professionals for mortgage professionals. And we're the proud recipient of the Progress in Lending Innovation Award. It's good to have you be here. Again, we're live from the Accounting and Finance Conference here in San Diego. We have as our special guest on the Hot Topics segment, Leslie Jabeen, I'm really with, by the way, I should say she's vice president of client risk management for ArchMI. We're going to be talking about home ownership, first time ownership, the cost of home ownership, but just everything related to it. It's going to be a really good topic. And I'm looking forward to having her on the program in the second half of the program. We have our regular lineup as we head into it. So a special thank you to Alice, Andy, Joe, Sam, all the others to dial in, and I think we I think we have uh, Paul dialing in today, but everyone that dials in, it makes this program so informative and helpful. Appreciate you telling others about the program. We have the listing audience just continues to explode, and we're getting hearing from more and more of you, and we're really grateful for that. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, ArchMI, the creator of the Innovative Rate Star Program. We're going to have Jim jump on, talk about that in a minute. We also have Motivity Solution providing real-time reporting and dashboard scorecards. We have the KPI of the week coming up in just a little bit. Also, Velma, an efficient mortgage marketing and email platform. Simplifile, which is a real-time electronic communications exchange. Very effective communications tool. Also, the Mortgage Collaborative, the power of the network. And then DH, D plus H, D and H, moving your world forward through technology. They've been in business for 140 years with over 5,500 employees worldwide with 8,000 clients in 70 countries. Man, just want to travel to the Caribbean. That's all I want to go. Give me, give me one of those clients that gets here to the Caribbean. How about that? Anyway, I don't know who's doing handling that part of the territory, but I got to meet that salesperson. Anyway, also check them out at their mortgage bot application. It's an all-in-one all LOS, as well as their new mobile app. Very cool stuff, and it's very innovative. I love what they're doing there, and they've got history, solid financial background, what you're looking for in the technology company. Check them out at www.d. H plus dh.com. There's no plus in that one, but it's D and H. Their logo is D plus H, but it's dh.com or call them at 1-800-815-5592. All right, let's talk about the upcoming conferences where, again, we're at the MBA's uh, finance Accounting and Financial Management Conference. We also have the January Independent Mortgage in January 23rd through the 26th, the Independent Mortgage Bankers Conference in La Quinta. We'll be doing a live podcast from there doing it from the D&H booth there in Palm Springs, also February 14th through the 17th, the National Mortgage Servicing Conference. It looks like we'll be up there working with them and having the privilege to run one of the, um, one of the, uh, be moderating one of the panels there. And then also will that the National Mortgage, uh, the National Technology Conference for the Mortgage Bankers is coming up at the Hyatt Regency in Chicago. Anyway, lots of conferences coming up. Great stuff. Appreciate you being here. And while you're there at the MBA website, sign up for the Mortgage Action Alliance. Without further ado, let's get over to Joe Farr and see what is going on with hey, the Dave. markets. Good to have you here, friend. Well, thank you. It's uh, 
you know, a broken record here lately. It's just like every day since the election, MBS prices are lower. Um, yeah. You know, this morning MBS prices opened lower and and fell. Actually, the only good news I can report here in the last few days is that we're off our lows today. At one point, we were down uh, 24, 25, uh, 27, 30 seconds, and we've uh, recovered about 10 of those. We're still down 17 on the day. Um, but at least we have moved in the right direction. We've seen both unfavorable and then favorable repricing today. So it's a, a volatile market. And, um, you know, all this is just a continued reaction to uh, Trump's victory. Um, uh, this morning, those stocks have not rallied like they did in the prior days, and the Dow's just, uh, just basically flat. You know, since the election day, we have seen a dramatic you know, change in prices both uh, uh, for stocks and bonds. The MBS prices are off about 250 basis points. Mortgage rates are about 70 basis points higher. And the Dow's risen about 500 points to a record high. So the, the election was uh, a big factor in all that. Um, uh, you know, all of us would think that the election day was a very interesting day, but I'm going to drill yeah. in as it relates to its impact during the during the election results on MBS prices. Um, you know, early on, as Trump's results were better than expected and, and quite frankly, were fairly impressive, the market began to react by uh, selling stocks and buying bonds, uh, you know, in a, in a flight to safety. Right. And um, at one point during the night, the stock futures were down about 5%, but MBS prices, 10-year yield was also down. Uh, it was down about 10 basis points. And then late in the night, as a Trump victory began to look more likely, uh, things absolutely switched. Uh, stock futures took off. Bond yields gave back their gains. By Wednesday morning, the 10-year yield had risen 25 basis points from its low, so had uh, you know it offset the 10 basis point improvement and were uh, 15 basis points higher. Stock futures had uh, at one point fallen 5%. They were up 6% by the end of the day. So it's a, a more than a complete reversal. And um, you know by now I'm sure everyone's read about the analysis and what the campaign, uh, why the market has reacted right. the way it did, but. You know, it, it's all about inflation. I think his policies were likely going to increase the, you know, they're they're likely to increase spending and at the same time reduce taxes. Well, that's that's going to be inflationary. Um, he's talked about, you know, he's hard on trade, and so you know, will there be a reduction of of cheaper imported goods, and and that too would be inflationary. Um, you know, the Republicans now control the House and the Senate, so actually some of this stuff may get done. And, and the market has <laughs> just reacted in, in the way uh, we've seen where it's favored, you know, the, the preferred asset now is equities as opposed to um, to bonds. And, and so, you know, we'll see how that goes from here. i got to hope that it doesn't continue to be this volatile, but, uh, uh, you know, it certainly has been so far. I think the, I wonder if the volatility will go out of this, and we're going to just settle into their new reality that rates are moving higher. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, so far or last week there was really nothing but the election to focus yeah. on. I, I will mention jolts came out and was really pretty good. The jolts mm-hmm. uh, job openings rose in September. You know, it's a pretty much delayed uh, uh, data, but and the layoff rate dropped to a, an all-time record low so you know pretty good data now looking at this weekday we we have some pretty significant events on the calendar we got retail sales tomorrow and we got uh industrial production and ppi on wednesday cpi on thursday uh but it'll be interesting to hear there are a lot of fed speakers every day this week there are fed speakers and, and it'll be interesting to hear their take on uh the post-election environment uh, one to probably pay the most attention to is Vice Chair Fisher uh, has, is making a speech tomorrow at one thirty Eastern time. So uh, we'll see what the Fed has to say as they weigh in on the economy in a post-Trump uh, uh, victory. Could be very interesting for sure. It's uh, fascinating. But I was listening to a lot of podcasts trying to get some perspective on it. And James Rickards is just uh, probably one of the most interesting guy, really, really knowledgeable. Um, 
but I mean, the, the general consensus is rates are going to be higher and we're in a new rate environment. And so um, I'm getting a hold of Mike Frattentoni and we're going to hopefully get him on and get an update and see where he has. He has not made any adjustments. I'll be interviewing um, Marina Walsh here this afternoon uh, while here at the conference and I'll get some insights from there. But at this point, it doesn't sound like Mike's ready to make any adjustments. We're all, I think they're all just reacting to the shock of this right, thing. Right. So, uh, but, but the general consensus, everything I'm reading and listening to is higher rates are in order. So what does that mean for housing? What does that mean? Obviously, housing will be impacted. But how do people get along in this world without using a quote line? Do not know. And if you <laughs> want to learn how to get signed up, you can listen to this ad or give Joe a call. But here you go. We're going to be right back after this brief break. Looking for that competitive edge? MBS QuoteLine delivers live market coverage for originators. Get up-to-the-minute mortgage market news and analysis as events occur. Get MBS prices as trades happen. Straight to your computer, email, cell phone, or PDA. Know in advance when your investors will reprice. Make better lock float decisions and increase your income. Be the expert your clients expect. And know what's moving interest rates right now, tomorrow, and beyond. MBS QuoteLine, delivering live market coverage for originators. Learn more about MBS QuoteLine today at MBS. MBSQuoteLine.com. MBSQuoteLine.com. 646-716-4972. The Lickin' on Lending Show is back. Here is your host, David Lickin'. You know what you're thinking right now? I need to note myself. When doing a live broadcast using this device, shut off automatic notifications. I don't know if my automatic notifications are coming out of the wire, but apologize for that. Anyway, it's good to have you all with us. We've got Paul Malo with us. If I can get down and scroll down and turn on his mic. Terry, could you go do that, please? Because my scrolling is not, it's not working so well. But if you could, come on and uh, let's see if we got Paul on. Paul, are you there? There, we got Paul on. Yeah, now we do. Uh, it's okay, really interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting as I go to um, touching this thing with. I have the big screens at home, and 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 your number is one. You dialed in at just out of order, just slightly below where I can get to it. But anyway, it's good to have you here, Paul. Give us a rundown of some of the headlines. By the way, people are not signed up for IMFnews.com's newsletter. You do so. Get out to the website and get signed up. Good to have you with us, Paul. What you got, my friend? Oh, listen, we looked at the uh, nine publicly traded non-banks in the third quarter results. Um, you know, the good news is uh, the group as a whole had about $130 billion in mortgage banking income in the third quarter. Uh, that's a major improvement. I'm sorry, I 129.7 million. <laughs> Got to change that number. Oops. Oops. Uh, yeah. Change that now. Anyway, uh, they had a good quarter. Uh, it comes... Um, Compares to uh, last year, I'm sorry, the last quarter previously, $339 million. Listen, the big news here is uh, no one got hammered really bad on MSR marks, if anything. Uh, there was some slight markups or at least, you know, a lot less damage. Uh, and the big news last week was PHH. Uh, their earnings came out and they had another loss, but the big uh, thing was that they're going to get out of the private label business. They're selling the Junie May servicing. And it looks like, uh, you know, the news of their so-called self-liquidation, uh, uh, something we've been reporting on for, for a long time, is, is continuing. They're, they're not calling it a self-liquidation, but that's basically what it looks like. Uh, it looks like they're going to sell the company and uh, get that cash and return to the shareholders, presumably, and that's it. But, uh, you know, they have yet to sort of spell that out specifically. Uh, the number two story, it's all about the uh, rising rates, as you guys just talked about. Uh, and the downside for the mortgage market. There's been a lot of upsides last week. You know, it was interesting to talk to all the people, uh, the trade group people and the lobbyists and, and other executives who are not involved in government policy per se, but just sort of give you the landscape. Everyone loves the idea there'll be less regulation, or at least that's the presumption. Uh, and the bad news is, as Joe just talked about, listen, uh, the, the 10 year has gone up quite a bit. Since uh, right before the election, it was like 1.75 or something like that, and now it's 2.2. Uh, you know, lenders are um, seeing uh, already less business, but, you know, that's also part of the seasonality. Uh, the good news is uh, on the servicing front, we mentioned Tom Piercy at uh, IMA. Uh, he thinks we could have a real big year next year if rates stay in this range. You also have a danger here. Uh, right. Excuse me. If rates rise too much too quickly, it could be uh, trouble for a lot of people. 
But uh, the servicing market, the bulk market, uh, when it comes to sales, has, has been tough this year, especially the Ginny stuff. Uh, but with rates up to now, uh, the tenure at 2.2, uh, and if it stabilizes in that, that area, we could have some major servicing sales, uh, especially in the first quarter. So let's keep an eye on that. A Window Rock, here's an interesting story from Brandon. Uh, Window Rock Capital Partners, it's an investment management firm. They're, they buy, they're buying the platform of the Windwater uh, home mortgage uh, company, and they're going to start a conduit, and presumably they're going to issue Jumbo MBS. Uh, that's an interesting development. Uh, do you see plaintiffs? They're sparring. Uh, they continue to be in court. That's basically fair home funds. Uh, there could be an update this week, we're told, on that case. Uh, they want Treasury to turn over those 56 documents and make them public. So we might get to see them real soon. Uh, also out there, uh, you know, more more talk about the FHA audit and the premium cut. No one thinks we're going to see a premium cut, by the way, so let's get that out of the way. But the audit is apparently going to be released sometime tomorrow, we're told. And, uh, you know, it's going to be good news. The book of Business FHA is wonderful. Uh, that capital cushion there has been built up. Uh, but that doesn't mean FHA is going to cut uh, the premiums uh, at least in the next month or two. Uh, they probably, will, I would assume, they're going to leave it up to the new administration, whoever is running FHA and HUD. Uh, short takes, we talk a little bit about uh, Jeb Hensarling, what if he becomes Treasury Secretary, or what that holds for the futures of the GSEs. There's lots to talk about. Maybe some new effort here on recap and release uh, with the preferred shareholders, maybe getting control of Fannie and Freddie. That's another story we're working on. All sorts of, uh, you know, what-ifs and innuendo, uh, and uh, we'll keep an eye on it. So that's sort of, uh, you know, all the interesting stuff. And just one last note, another name being thrown out for HUD Secretary is former New York Congressman Rick Lazio. Uh, but previously, last week, we were hearing names like Brian Montgomery, the Collingwood group, as long as along with uh, Pam uh, Padden-Wade, uh, not sure if I pronounced her name. She's another former HUD official. So Interesting. that's uh, everything. Yeah, it's uh, interesting times, as we say. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. The next four years are going to be just not like anything we ever anticipated. I had a feeling the surprises are not going to stop. I think there may be some very interesting surprises. But it's really interesting to see the commentary, Paul, from those that were predicting gloom and doom and uh, saying that there's gonna, it's going to be just the worst thing possible. And there seems to be a very conciliatory tone there in D.C., as well as across many of those who were very anti-Trump. So giving him a chance. So we'll I'll see how long that – I don't well, know if it's, it's a honeymoon. Funny. I'm not so much sure they were – well, some of the mortgage guys were anti-Trump. A lot of them weren't necessarily anti-Trump. They they just didn't see Hillary losing, and, and that's, that's yes. the biggie. Uh, you know, all the plans and all the stuff – everyone was writing up in those weeks before the election, mm-hmm. you know, they were already making huge plans for, uh, you know, what it was going to be like under Hillary. And then this really threw a monkey wrench. Oh. And, you know, the big thing is, of course, everyone thinks Dodd Frank's going to be torn apart or at least loosened. And there there should be major deregulation, not major, but significant deregulation on, on the mortgage rule front. At least that's the betting right now uh, with Republicans in control of the House and Senate and the White House. We should see uh, some rollbacks, and, and a lot of mortgage guys are really, really happy about that. But now suddenly they're looking at higher rates, and it doesn't matter deregulation or not. You know, rates are, drives the business, and you yep. know, you know that's that's going to be key. So we'll see. We'll yeah. see where the ten year goes from here. Keep. I think all the readers, and all your viewers and listeners are going to be keeping a close eye on on the ten year and where mortgage rates are going. Yeah. Paul, you do a great job on your IMF News website. I encourage people to go to that website, sign up for the daily email that will land in your inbox and stay informed of what's going on. Paul, thank you so much for dialing in. Thank you. Really, really appreciate it. We'll look forward to having you back next week, my friend. Folks, we're going to be right back after this brief break. Are you using one of those expensive CRMs that your loan officers won't use? If so, then give my friends at Velma a call and let them help you create a customer journey that relies on the data and not on loan officer interaction. I encourage you to consider working with Velma to create a truly automated marketing experience for your organization. Velma makes marketing automation easy. Schedule a demo today at Velma.com, V-E-L-M-A.com. Also, want to hear from Simplify, all the folks, and Nancy Alley and her team. We'll be right back with a quick word from Nancy. And then we're going to be talking to Alice.
So stay tuned. Simplifile has technology that gives you the ability to collaborate with settlement agents via real-time chat and messaging, allowing you to track changes, send, receive, and validate documents, as well as obtain status updates and deal with issues as they arise. All of this in a real-time electronic communication exchange. And best of all, you have a complete audit trail of all communications. To learn more, go to Simplifile.com or call our good friend Nancy Alley at 1-800-460-5657. All right, everybody. Good to have you with us. Alice Alvey, good to have you on there giving us an update. I know you – it seems like there's some days where just the uh, Internet and uh, all the, the technology issues don't line up. But uh, hopefully you're uh, able to connect and bring us some uh, update. What you got, Alice? Hi, Liz. Yes, I got myself back connected here. It is turning into being one of those days, but that's okay. So um, we do have a big uh, announcement from the compliance side that everyone should be paying attention to. Um, Ballard Spar reported on this in their CFPB monitor, and it really is something that applies to all of those who are listening to this program, banks, small banks, lenders, because it was published by the FFIEC, and the Federal Financial Institutions Examination Council makes up all the regulators, CFPB, the Federal Reserve, FDIC, even the credit unions, they don't get off the hook for this one, the OCC, and then there's also a state liaison um, who's a part of this as well. So what's going to happen in March March 31st of 2017, so you have a little more than a quarter to be able to take a look at how your operation is running in terms of a consumer compliance rating system. So today when lenders go through a consumer compliance audit, it's looked at at a transaction level. They look at the loans that you've done. They look at consumer complaints. And it really isn't, um, I mean, the regulator will have a tendency to look at your overall system and your compliance management system. But what's going to happen in March is you're now, or actually April 1st, will be if you're subject to a consumer compliance rating system audit. So CCRS is your new acronym you're now going to be looked at more as a company. So you'll be following these three larger factors as opposed to it being worked on on a loan-level basis. So the three factors are really look, are looking at your board and your management oversight, looking at your um, assessing the compliance program overall, which is your policies and procedures, and then, of course, if they find any violations. Within each of these three categories are multiple components, and the part that always makes me nervous as a compliance officer because I manage the compliance here with a group of folks at Indicom. Mm -hmm. There are so many nuances in how this rating system will actually work, and that's one of the big unknowns. So there's going to be a rating system of one through five, with one being strong. You're doing a great job. All your components at um, the board oversight, your commitment, your effectiveness, your policies and procedures, and then, of course, I think to get a strong, you'd have to have no violations. Uh, that's the rating we're all going to shoot for. A rating of two is satisfactory. So then you've got ratings three, four, and five that are not good. So three being down the middle is not a good place to be because that's considered deficient. So four is seriously deficient and five is critically deficient. So um, lenders really need their compliance departments need to get back into understanding how this rating system is going to work. We don't have any metrics on this. It's not like, okay, I've got to pass three out of uh, or two out of the three categories. None of that's disclosed to us yet, which makes us even more nervous because I want to know how I'm going to be rated, what's going to be most important. And we still all are going to have a lot to learn as we dive into exactly how these examinations are going to be implemented. Um, So it does apply to everybody. um, There is a focus. There's some statements in there about applying certainly to big banks as well because they fall under the CFPB, um, but so do most of the rest of us and then each of the other regulators. So heads up, everybody. One of the things I noticed in here is the assessment of the compliance program is talking about training, which you all know is near and dear to my heart. Um, and then it needs to be tailored and to your risk and to your staff. And many companies are using out-of-box training solutions, and this is alluding to the fact that you need to make sure you've got customized training, which, of course, is something that we offer. So shameless plug in there for us, Dave. Shameless. <laughs> Good <the> job. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, but anyway, you really well, – it's not – you should. I, I love showcasing <laughs> your training. You do a great job. I've been there. That's how we met. Is you doing well, some of that? And you're you doing such a great job. So don't be don't shrink back from that, Alice. I want our audience to know that you do a 
awesome job. It's really good. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, put that into our e-learning, too, so you don't have to be yeah. live to get all that. My last quick note um, to make sure we cover is Trenda Data. Everyone's looking at this within DU, but Freddie makes Freddie Mac came out and said they are still not using trended credit data. So they're still assessing it. Don't make the mistake of kind of leaning on that in any manual underwriting because neither Fannie or Freddie are taking trended credit data as a way to offset any, you know, any kind of compensating factors. And for those of you who haven't had a chance to look into that, that's, that's the idea that I may charge my, you know, visa bill up every month, but I pay it off every month. And that's right. not necessarily reflected correctly in the credit score. So uh, not yet a strong compensating factor for manual underwriting that you can actually use. So that's my notes for today, Dave. A, a no, big good job. On our new consumer compliance rating system. I love it. Good job. Can't wait to hear more about that, Alice. So for people that want to get to know you and get to call you, call you at one 800 Two seven eight zero two zero zero. Look forward to having you back next week. And, encourage people to connect with you. We'll be right back after this brief word. If you have questions about mortgage regulations, Indicom Mortgage U has free answers. If you need ideas about how to reinvent your organization, Indicom Mortgage U will share great ideas. When you need help at any step of the loan process, give us a call or send an email. The Indicom team of experts have been helping mortgage players from origination through servicing for over 30 years. Your success is our focus. Whether it's a quick question or long-term support, portfolio, conventional, or government lending, it's a competitive market. So let Indicom Mortgage U give you the edge. The Mortgage Collaborative was founded by former chairman of the NBA, John Robbins and David Kittle, and leaders at the forefront of the diversity movement in the real estate industry, Jim Park and Gary Acosta. The Mortgage Collaborative is the nation's only independent cooperative. The Collaborative provides its members the opportunity to meet and form meaningful relationships with top mortgage professionals and leaders in our industry. In a relationship-driven business such as ours, often who you know is as important as what you know. To learn more, go to mortgagecollaborative.com or call Rich Swarbinski at 440-552-0691. The power of the network. Good to have you with us, everybody. We've got Sam Garcia with us. Sam is with mortgagedaily.com. Sam, good to have you out there. So it's so you're from Orange County. You're back on Dallas. I'm out here and um, in your old stomping grounds. It's good to have you on with us. So give us an update on some of the headlines you're looking at, my friend. Well, I sure wish I was there instead of here. It's a great place. <laughs> Lucky yeah, you. Fun. But anyway, well, uh, one of the, the good pieces of news we have from last week, the Mortgage Bankers Association put out its National Delinquency Survey. And that indicated that 30-day delinquency, excluding foreclosures, had a rate of 4.52% in the third quarter. And what's significant about that is the lowest rate since the second quarter of 2006 better than any time since the crisis. So always good news when we get some uh, statistics like that that come out. And, uh, the mortgage bankers also said that the foreclosure rate was 1.55%, and that's the lowest since the second quarter of uh, 2007. Uh, Fortune magazine released its uh, list of the 100 fastest-growing publicly traded firms. Um, at the top of that list was National Health Trends, which is a multi-level marketer of beauty products. But more importantly, uh, number 10 on the list was LendingTree, uh, and that <laughs> made LendingTree the highest-ranking mortgage-related company. It, the list this year um, didn't really have a lot of pure mortgage players. It was more banks that are players and uh, some of these uh, service firms like LendingTree. But uh, anyway, that's who ranks the most, at least at this point in time. Um, in the week that concluded on November 11th, our mortgage market index jumped 13%, uh, making last week the busiest week since the week ended August 5th. Um, that index, which is an indication of upcoming originations based on open-close rate lock volume, has soared 64% from a year earlier. So we're looking pretty good, at least for the week, as far as where we stand on origination activity. Um, and really behind last week's uh, surge was a 17% rise in purchase money financing activity. Um, and purchase uh, activity is actually up 42% from a year earlier. So uh, that's probably the one that's more important since we know if times get you know good economically speaking and rates rise, uh, it will be purchases that are driving basically any originations. 
Um, Fannie Mae announced last week that it sold $1.3 billion in non-performing loans through an auction, and the buyer on that deal is an entity related to Goldman Sachs. Those loans are currently held in Fannie's investment portfolio, and that was most recently reported at $307 billion. Um, now, uh, I heard you talking earlier with Paul about PHH. Um, yeah. Also last week, uh, PHH uh, agreed to a consent order with New York, uh, at least the governor announced, uh, and that includes a $28 million fine. PHH was allegedly found by the multi-state mortgage committee to have failed to provide accurate good faith estimate disclosures uh, to borrowers on their residential loans. And another issue in originations was compensation plan that failed to prevent prevent, uh, originators from steering customers into risky or unnecessarily high-cost loans. And then on the servicing side, um, PHH is accused of discrepancies in how foreclosures were documented and processed. And it also allegedly failed to adequately monitor uh, the operations of outside vendors. Uh, and one other thing was that PHH allegedly improperly assessed $1.2 million in attorney fees against uh, distressed New York borrowers uh, due to a coding error in, uh, in its automated invoice processing system. So um, those are some of those big headlines. I wanted to just cover real quick, you know, we cover um, a lot of origination statistics, and we're kind of nearing the end of the uh, third quarter earnings seasons here. So uh, I wanted just to highlight originations at a couple of the nation's biggest lenders. Um, you know, the more significant ones, uh, at PennyMac, uh, home lending volume between the second and the third quarter soared 28%, uh, putting their quarterly volume at $21 billion. Pretty damn good, considering that that's not yeah. that old of a company. Um, production at, at Freedom Mortgage jumped by a quarter to $17 billion in the third quarter. Um, over at Quicken Loans, there was a 17% increase uh, to $27 billion. And then at Wells Fargo, the, which is you know, the biggest U.S. home lender, business was up 11% to $70 billion for the quarter. So and, and, you know, our, our pr- production tables cover uh, quarterly originations going all the way back, if you can believe, to 2003. So uh, you know, those are some of the details that you'll find in them. Uh, and, of course, a lot more. We've got a whole bunch of statistics like that. Very interesting. Lots of good information. I encourage people to head out to your website, Sam, mortgagedaily.com. Get signed up uh, or give you a call at 214-521-1300. Sam, appreciate it. Good stuff. Really Thank interesting. you, sir. You bet. Always fun to have you on and get an update of what's going on. We're going to be right back with Andy Shell, the profit doctor, after we hear from Jim Jump, who heads up the marketing at ArchMI. And we're going to talk about the Rate Star program. Jim, what you got? Hi, David. Thanks for having me on. And we're happy to be a proud sponsor of the program. And today I'd like again to talk about Rate Star from Arch Mortgage Insurance. RateStar is a revolutionary tool that allows mortgage originators to dynamically price mortgage insurance and match coverage to ArchMI's most competitive rates. And that's important because it allows you to compete more effectively, qualify more borrowers, and of course close more loans. That's the power of RateStar. Originators from around the country are letting us know just how quick and easy RateStar is to use. And all you need is your NMLS number, and you can access RateStar anywhere, anytime, using multiple points of entry, including most LOS systems, product and pricing engines, and through our websites at archmi.com and archmicu.com for credit unions. And of course, it's available through our mobile app for smartphones and tablets. RateStar makes it easy to choose what type of mortgage insurance coverage your loan needs. You just touch, tap, and go. Quotes are delivered in seconds and represent our most competitive ArchMI rates based on the strength and quality of the loan application. And I have to tell you, David, getting a mortgage insurance quote has never been so powerful or so simple. And with that, I'll turn it back over to you and say thanks. Have a great day, everybody. Good to have you. Uh, we appreciate ArchMI being a sponsor. Appreciate Jim so much uh, getting that information out. But most importantly, you're going to appreciate the great rates you can get if you get a hold of ArchMI and talk to your local representative and find out how you can save money. It's really, it's really true. I'm starting to look at it. And it's kind of driving the competition nuts, and that's all right. We're doing that. We love it. So Profit Doctor. Always so much fun to have you here. One of the things we hear about the prophet doctor all the time is he is so smart. He sometimes hurts my head. So come on, try to hurt our heads a little more, Andy. Good to have you. <laughs> Let's see. I thought your mic was turned on hey, here. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I'm good. Yep, I'm good. You're good. Hey, Dave. Good, good, good. I was I was 
thinking about what I was going to say, and you know, one of the things I thought I would start with is getting your permission <laughs> to, David, is it, is it okay if I geek out a little bit in geek, this broadcast? Geek it out. Geek I want to geek out a little bit. Yeah, that's good. We're going to go a little bit deep into the accounting weeds. We're going to get our shovels out and see what's underneath the surface. You know, I'm I'm preparing a presentation to present to CPAs who audit mortgage banks uh, next month, and included in that presentation is a discussion around a little-known issue known as the derivative asset. And you know, some people hear that and they go, "Derivative asset? What's a derivative asset?" That's that's something my dad would have said to me when I was a teenager. Get your derivative ass back here. But um, <laughs> no, a derivative asset is an accounting made-up term, and it becomes uh, an asset, but it's basically funny money. And yeah. there's there's some some structure around how this is supposed to work, but there's a lot of fuzziness around it as well. So in the bottom line of it is, Dave, what you can do when you have a lock registration is you get to count the income on your locks when it's locked. And that mm-hmm. becomes a derivative asset. Now, you don't incur all the costs until the loan's closed. So you get income at lock, cost at closed. Now, how in the world does that make any sense? Okay. When do you get the cash? You get the cash when the loan's sold, right. not when the loan's locked, but you count the income when the loan's locked. And, and locking, recognizing income when the loan is locked creates a derivative asset. And you can't spend it. You, you, you know, what are you going to do with it? You can't. All it does, here's what it does. Here's the problem. It increases your capital because it's the, the CPAs say this is real. And I'm not going to get into all the whys, but they do. CPAs say this is real. Your interest rate lock commitment income is real, so we're going to put it on your financial statements. And that makes your capital go up. And so what warehouse line lenders have to do is they get these reports from the CPAs with this big derivative asset on there, and the warehouse line lenders make it go back down. They, they don't take it off totally, but they reduce it back to how much money are you really going to get. Not how much total top-line revenue are you going to make right. when the loan's locked, but how much money are you really going to get in cash. So the warehouse lenders make it go back down. This creates just all kinds of havoc. You know, the the CPA reports are designed to inform the readers, to support creditors and stockholders, and in this case, it's serving an opposite purpose. So it's really a big issue. There's mismatch of timing. It creates distorted financial statements. It's overstating capital. And so we're going to dig deeper into this, and I'm working with some colleagues to put together a white paper that's um, going to, I think, help spread the word and Help people realize what's happening and why it's an issue. But that's a derivative asset. Pull up a financial statement. It's going to be on there along with the derivative liability. Yeah, I think people's heads start spinning back when it comes to when you start talking about derivatives. And I think that just creates confusion. I think it's also really interesting to point out that you are actually teaching the auditors that are auditing mortgage companies. People need to get to know you, Andy. They need to know what you do. The fact that you're educating the auditors that are coming in, why not get to the teacher so he can get it explained to you in advance of the auditor coming in? I recommend you get a hold of the Profit Doctor, also known as Andy Shell, or Andy Shell, also known as the Profit Doctor, whichever it may be, at Andy at MBSteam.com. Thank you so much, Andy. Appreciate it. Very good. Thanks, Dave. Run smart guy and a good guy. I like it. That's you're really good. I always, I always like, I always learn something when you come on. Appreciate it very much. We have Motivity Solutions. We have John Maynell, who is the VP of Client Services, coming on, and we're going to share the KPI of the week. And we'll be right back with after John Maynell with Leslie Jabin, who is Vice President of Client Risk Management at ArchMI. Be right back. Thanks very much, Dave. Always great to be here. And this week's key performance indicator focuses on one of Alice's favorite topics, namely the underwriting process. And the KPI is submitted to initial decision. This is generally measured in hours, and you can either use this to measure an entire department's average turn time or even individual underwriters. Very effective if you're using balanced multi-metric scorecards to fine-tune the behaviors of individual staff members. This measurement can also guide an organization to areas upstream from underwriting that contribute to this initial cycle time, like processing, setup, or even sales, to help ensure that people in those areas produce complete and accurate files that make the absolute best use of the underwriter's time. So the broad scope makes this a very powerful metric and shows yet again that what gets measured 
gets results. And with that, Dave, I will thank you again and turn it back to you. Thank you, John. Appreciate it very much. What get measured? What what gets measured gets results. So good and so true. Anyway, very excited to be talking with our guest today. We're going to be focusing on really affordable housing. It's a big issue. I think it's going to be even a bigger issue when we look at home appreciation. I think what's happening with prices, with interest rates rising, what's going to be happening all here. Well, to talk about all of this with us, we have Leslie Jabeen, who is Vice President of Client Risk Management for Arch Mortgage Insurance. She's got three decades of experience in mortgage lend- lending and in the mortgage industry specifically, and Leslie is recognized as a credit risk expert. I always like talking to people who are at credit risk. They really bring a perspective to it, and that's what I think we're going to enjoy today. She is familiar with the challenges of affordable lending and currently a key member of ArchMI's management team. Her background includes senior and consulting positions, senior management and consulting with Greenpoint Mortgage and also the Federal Home Loan Bank of San Francisco. Leslie champions the importance of affordability in providing opportunities for first-time low- and moderate-income borrowers, especially the millennial generation to, uh, who is entering the market in a much stronger way. Largest demographic coming into the market. Last thing, I just want to say, welcome to the program. Good to have you here. Thanks so much, David. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for asking me. I want to also say thank you to Arch being a great sponsor. And one of the things I like working with you guys is, you know, you're a sponsor and you want to get the word out about everything. And we do run the ad. But really, your company does one of the best jobs. First of all, I love the culture there. I just love the culture at Arch, number one. Number two is you're more about wanting to help the industry and in, with all the programs you have, but really be a, a, a responsible citizen to help them, and especially in the area of affordable housing. So I think let's get into the topic. Affordable housing is obviously a very hot topic today, especially as we see where, where appreciation has been. And I'd love to get your idea and your thoughts of what the story is behind the current trend. Absolutely. I'd love to share that. So home ownership is a, an important step forward for most Americans. It, it encourages the accumulation of wealth, uh, the formation of families, the stability of communities. And housing itself is a crucial leg in the U.S. economy. It generates jobs and income and general prosperity over the long term. And now the largest generation in American history, millennials, has reached the age where we should be expecting them to be buying homes. However, we're not really seeing them move into the marketplace and anywhere near the numbers anticipated. And, and, and we ask ourselves, why is that? And affordability is really that answer. Yeah, there's no question. Affordability has become a bigger issue. And, and uh, we're going to have Andy and Alice and Joe enter in some, with some questions at the end. So I want them to stay on the line, if at all possible, as we work through some of these questions that I want to really get discussed first. And uh, just make sure we involve them all the way through. But what does affordability mean for millennials? Let's talk about that. Sure. So there are there's several things at, at play here. Uh, beginning with the 2008 recession, there continues to be a shortage of homes. Millions of uh, housing starts and new units that were never completed because housing values plummeted. The job market, although in mostly recovered, uh, it's perceived to be unreliable. The result, I think, is a generation that fears to take on mortgage debt. Um, many of our potential borrowers are burdened with student loan debt and have been unable to accumulate substantial down payments. And in fact, they really operate under the misconception that they need a 20% down payment. Right. And finally, um, really, they find the home buying process confusing. And frankly, it's a little a little frightening. I, I remember buying my own first home. It was frightening. And uh, which is, you know, so it's not surprising. Uh, you know, so many changes and new regulations have been introduced over the past few years. And there's, there's a, a sort of pervasive assumption among millennials that they can't possibly qualify for a home. We're starting to see more millennials enter into the market, but what's the solution so we can get more? How do lenders reach out to millennials and sell them on the value of home ownership. That's that's an, another that's a great question. And, and um, in fact, I think lenders they really need to be proactive. Uh, the millennial generation has had a lot of guidance in their lives, and they really respond to a helping hand. Uh, RHMI has come up with a new toolkit that's comprehensive in scope. Hmm. 
addresses both sides of the problem for both the lender and the borrower. It's called the Roadmap to Home Ownership, but internally we affectionately call it RTHO for short. <laughs> yes, we, and why, why do we have so many acronyms in our industry? And then you guys are adding more of them in there. So, so, so how does ARCHES, I'm going to use our acronym, R-T-H-O. You know, the first part is really aimed at the lenders. It's, um, it's a complete toolkit of materials that enables them to set up their own in-house first-time homebuyer presentation and the lenders uh, really need to establish themselves in their communities as a trusted go-to expert and a resource for home, any, everything that's home-related. And so millennials are actively seeking this kind of help, and lenders, they're already halfway there. And the home buyer portion, the presentation materials, include a customizable PowerPoint where the lenders can brand with their, their own logo, their own contact information, and it covers all of the basics of the home buying process and it really takes them through it step by step and it makes it makes it easier to understand and it's much less takes away some of the the mystery of the process there are worksheets that the attendees can use to figure out their own budgets, calculate their debt, and and really get to the point where um, they determine how much they can afford. There is a simple glossary that defines home buying terms, resource documents that offers links to housing agencies, home services, and other information that borrowers, uh, home buyers really need. The kit even features a customizable marketing flyer for the lender that um, they can do a mass email or post it locally to publicize the event. That's really good. So you really are helping the lenders but get the word out. Is the RTHO Prihala? I'm going to, you've got a new acronym. We've got to come up with uh, I, Well, I've got several ideas, but I'm not sure why we could pronounce that, but I'm, I'll save that for another time. I'll let my creativity not be live on the air. But, you know, is the RTHO homeowner presentation locked? Uh, so that lenders can only give a version of the home buying process uh, that you've created? Or, you know, talk about that. I think it's great that you provide this as a resource. I think it's wonderful. Well, thank you. It's absolutely not locked. Um, And it's it's 100% customizable. And, in fact, we absolutely encourage the lender to go over the presentation and, and give it their own spin. You know, depending on the local market and its parameters, it, that spin could be different from, well, the Mojave Desert to San Francisco, I think I heard earlier today. And um, <laughs> it allows them, you know, they should be able to invite in local real estate agent um, to offer their own take on the challenges faced by the first-time home buyer. And they can then explain the role of the realtor or an appraiser. Uh, it's a great opportunity to strengthen, for the lenders to strengthen their relationships with the community vendors who also have a stake in growing home ownership, especially realtors, you know, home inspectors and appraisers. They're all working together on so we have a fair number of millennials as listeners. So the millennials in our audience will get an education uh, on how they need to, you know, of a buying a home and gain some ability for them to work and go out and sell this, and uh, which will boost their self confidence. What about the uh, about practical solutions? How does this help them qualify? for an affordable mortgage loan. And as you say, many of them are really dealing with student loan debt. And how does that fall into the mix and have other financial circumstances that, that are holding them back? And, and what are some of those? And what can they do? Down payments are also a big factor, I see. So there's a lot of various factors in the mix, Leslie. So what do you got to say to that? Exactly, uh, David, exactly. Down payments have always been the biggest obstacle add in student loan debt, and you're not going to qualify for a traditional one-size-fits-all conventional loan. Uh, but, you know, the RTHO kit addresses this. It includes informational flyers on various mortgage insurance solutions, uh, which are available to help lenders qualify first-time home buyers. They are designed to work with the lender's existing affordable loan programs, as well as those that are available from the GSEs. You know, I'm sure you're aware that mortgage insurance is often the easiest and fastest way to get into a home. Mm-hmm. It is, um, it's tax deductible. Uh, it can be canceled when the loan reaches a certain um, equity point. And unlike FHA, that requires the uh, MI for the entire life of the loan. So yeah, it's really beneficial beginning. to the borrower. 
And it's really important the borrowers understand that because we're seeing uh, the FHA program and or where we see that going now, especially with uh, the Trump presidency, President-elect Trump, and where he's going to where that's all going to go. It's really be really interesting. But what are MI programs that can work with this type of buyer? What are, what are some of the programs out there? I know you guys got the Rate Star program. It's great stuff. Mm-hmm. So give us some. Absolutely. It was a, a great chance for me to talk about art. And, and so, first yeah. of all, MI is the obvious choice for borrowers with limited mm-hmm. down payments. Uh, they can qualify for a home with as little as 3% down. And uh, the underwriting guidelines today are flexible enough to allow even to allow that 3% to come from a gift from a parent or a family member or from a, uh, a qualified housing agency. Uh, ArchMI supports Fannie Mae's Home Ready. Uh, Freddie Mac's Home Possible programs, and we also offer our, our own MI program for first-time home buyers, which we call Picket Fences. Hmm. Um, I like it. Yep. And then, in addition to that, we offer an MI program which is directed at millennials specifically. It's available through Arch Mortgage Guarantee Company, which is part of the Arch family, and the program, um, otherwise known as Portfolio Power. I like uh, that. This product, yeah, this product is designed really to support portfolio lending to millennials who need uh, possibly broader DTI ratios or extended loan terms or uh, even lower MI coverage requirements. And lenders can feel confident about, about closing uh, millennial loans, which are insured under this product, and retaining them in portfolio because portfolio power is backed by true day one rescission relief. I like that. I like that Por- portfolio power. It's got great – it just sounds um, intriguing. But how, where can lenders learn more and get ArchMI's RTHO toolkit? David, it's available for download right now. Um, it's on our website, uh, archmi.com forward slash RTHO, and it's completely free. Uh, you can get started on it immediately. And I'd also like to add that uh, ArchMI's RTHO is, is a complete front and back-end solution to the problem of housing affordability. It tackles the education issue up front, attracts the millennial business, and it also ensures that uh, competitive MI options available to the lender uh, when the millennials are making the decision to buy their first home. When, I'm, when you're looking at uh, millennials, we're starting to get some questions in, by the way, Leslie, from some of mm-hmm. our listeners. And I want to get around to Alice, then Andy, then Joe. So. The three of you guys get some questions ready if you want, um, or you can text me saying, nope, I'm good. But I want to get to one of the questions. Do you see uh, one of the – I think it's a must be a millennial writing this question that's from our audience – as saying, do you see the student loan debt not being included in the analysis at some point in time? It's a real cost. I mean, how can you ignore it? But I think there's a, a general thought that people are, are kind of hoping that that's not going to be taken into consideration your thoughts on that, Leslie? Um, I don't. I don't see any changes to to guidelines coming down to actually take that out of the equation, which is one of the reasons that portfolio power for millennials is such yeah. a great option because it does take the great student point. debt into consideration, but allows for a broader DTI um, guideline. Yeah, and I was just recently at the uh, conference in Austin at the Merrick Catalyst, and I'm starting to see more interest in the portfolio product. There's some hedge firms, uh, private equity firms, some hedge firm, hedge funds that are looking at uh, coming out with some products. So I hope they're listening. I'm going to be forwarding this podcast on to several of them so they can be aware of your portfolio product. Alice, let's go on to you. If you have any questions for Leslie on affordable housing, your thoughts, or any questions that come to mind? Yes. Hi, Leslie. So Hi. I haven't had a chance to check out this toolkit yet. And one of the things that comes to my mind is at the Michigan Mortgage Lenders Association, they used to conduct this fabulous home buyer event. Um, I'd love to see that get re-energized. And literally we'd have hundreds of people coming through, you know, Cobalt Hall, a big exhibit hall. All the lenders were there. And you'd have, you could run credit reports and, and have education sessions. And so I'm curious if you see, since you developed this toolkit, you must see that there's a need in the market for lenders and maybe even the state associations to engage more in this type of uh, work in order to get the millennials to understand more about mortgage banking and the mortgage process as part of home ownership. 
Alice, that that is a great question. Um, in at Arch, I think we believe that that there's nothing more important than educating. Um, how else do you know where to go and what to do and how to get a loan without that level of education? And coupled with RTHO, we have uh, partnered with all of our sales professionals, all of our account managers and national account um, executives to really participate in the education of the lenders to help them to educate the borrowers using RTHO. Okay, that's, that's great. great. That's good. I like that, Alice. Getting encouraging lenders to start holding uh, some of these um, for consumers. And, you know, buying your first home, affordable housing seminars, how to get into the market. If you're afraid, come out to these things. That's a great idea. And then getting the state associations to sponsor that and draw the lenders. I think that's a great place to go. Of course, I love uh, Michigan Mortgage Lenders Association. Uh, it is one of the one of the favorite ones I get to go to and speak at. But that's a great suggestion. Joe, let's get over to you. I thought I thought several times about several market implications. Is this getting price as a help on pricing? But you know, love to get your thoughts on questions. For well, uh, yeah, Leslie, I'm sure you've witnessed a number of these um, homebuyer uh, seminars, and and I wonder if you'd share with us uh, any sort of characteristics that that you saw that made it very good as opposed to some maybe not so good. Is there any magic you know, formula that you can share with our listeners? Well, I think the, the best way is the, the level of engagement. If you have a group of people that are engaged in learning about the process and then another group, the lender and their local real estate agent, equally as engaged in educating the consumer and the home buyer, that you that's a recipe for success. And Very good. Uh, a follow-up to that is, do you find that the presentation being made by millennials is more effective for millennials, or does it matter? Well, I don't um, – I have to think about that. I don't know that it is um, – as important as the information that's being shared. Good, yeah. Good. Andy, let you get in a couple questions here, friend. Hi, Leslie. Yes, thanks so much. Sounds like an amazing program. And I was I was sitting here listening to you describe it, and I was thinking, why why now? What is it about it that that needs? Why does the market need this? What's new? And because when I bought a house the first time, my realtor said, go call these people, or better yet, said, here, come over here and sit down and talk to this guy. They'll get you a loan. So in, in my generation, if the realtor helped with the home buying experience, and millennials look at the Internet as their coach, and we determined that, well, maybe that's not as effective, you know, I guess we as mortgage bankers need to better appreciate the fact that it's different. Mm-hmm. So. How do you get your your users of this toolkit to appreciate the fact that forget what you thought about yourself, this is the millennials and you need to do it this way? Well, um, I think one of the things I would look at is um, the millennial using the Internet as their educator. Um, and we as mortgage lenders and mortgage professionals know how important that touch point is with your customer and your borrower and it really builds a sense of trust. And it's not that we didn't have this before, but I, there's a bigger need today. And home ownership and home affordability, going back to the beginning of our conversation, is such a big topic today. And it's so important that to reach out to as many people as we can. And this is really the way to reach a broader audience and still touch them personally at the same time. Okay, great. And uh, it's, everybody needs help in presenting the details when you don't know what the questions – I mean, you've done it so many times, you need a way of presenting it in a way that they will hear what you have to say. That's great. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yep. Yeah, I think there's we, – we've got to get out and reach the millennials. We've got to get them in. Uh, I think there's just some – a lot of reasons why they may need some coaching and some encouragement along the way. It sounds like you got a great toolkit. And what's the best way for people to learn and or get this information again and be aware of it? Get a hold of the, the ArchMI representative, I'm sure is one way. But and you see, you mentioned the website, which is ArchMI.com forward slash R T H O, and and it's completely free. Is there any other resource, other ways that people should connect with this, or you'd recommend? 
Yes, absolutely. Um, and if you uh, do go to the website, not only will you have access to the RTHO package, but also there's an introductory video that um, mm. anybody can take a look at and really get a sense of what that package is going to provide for you. I went and watched that video. It's very good. I encourage our listeners to go out and do that. There's some great material here. And uh, I really want to compliment again ArchMI, the whole management team there, the whole focus of the company is to really – provide services. And I think when it's less about selling what we've got, we've got something to, for you to buy and use our MI company, but really going out and making a difference in the industry. That's really signature to what Arch is doing generally, Arch MI. So kudos to you for coming on. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to join us, Leslie, and I encourage Thank people you so to... Uh, Oh, bad. It's a real honor. Really, really appreciate it. Appreciate the partnership we have with you very, very much. Folks, we've had Leslie, and it's Jabine. If you want to take a look at her name, if you see it in writing, it's G-I-B-I-N, but it's spelled or it's pronounced Jabine. I know that's a little, little bit different, but uh, we were talking about that earlier. But get a hold of Leslie. Have her speak at one of your events or uh, just get a hold of this website. I encourage it very much. Excellent stuff. I love having our Sponsors come on and talk with us. If there's content folks out there that you would like to have discussed on this program, be sure to get a hold of us. Next week, by popular demand, it's a topic that's popular demand. We have Aaron D, who's Chief Strategy Officer for Legacy Mutual Mortgage. We'll be gone talking about making the transition from broker to mortgage banker. Very interesting discussion. I admire and really like Aaron D. She's very thorough, just a real good strategist. And you're going to want to miss next week's program. Again, thank you. Special thank you goes out to our sponsors, ArchMI, Motivity Solutions, Velma, Simplifile, and Mortgage Collaborative, DNH, and, of course, Andy, Alice, and Joe and their companies for all that they do for helping us. We appreciate you tuning in and telling others about it. Check out the website, lickingonlending.com. Got a new one coming up pretty soon. Also, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and a whole lot of other ways. Good to have you with us, everybody. We'll look forward to having you back and be a part of the podcast next week. See you, everybody. See you next week. This has been Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin, of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us again next week, and thank you for listening.